Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, well, I always tell you this is the place to be because this is where the best run. Let's see what our quote on the buzz is today. Okay, interesting. I have a, an article I found on the Washington Post, WAPO as some people call it, very brief and to the point. Adaptability may be your most essential skill in the COVID-19 world. Adaptability, key world. Interesting concept. So let's see what we're really talking about today. When a global health pandemic, hey, it's November 2020. We all know what this means. When it's added on top of what the world's situation has been for years, we've got volatility, we've got uncertainty, we've got complexity, we've even got ambiguity. Does previous knowledge count more than the ability to navigate the unknown? Just let me let you let that sink in for a second. Can you learn to navigate the unknown? Are you going to say, hey, I know this, I know that? Well, is that has that ship sailed already? Is that going to work for you? When health concerns require millions of us to work remotely in what we can encapsulate as a two-dimensional online experience, okay, how do people learn? How do they come alive to learn and create meaning for themselves? And I have another question for all of you to pose here. Deluged by a flood of information. Come on, you can go Google anything and within seconds you've got more answers than you ever dreamed possible in the millions. How do we focus on what matters to us, what matters to our families, our communities, the companies we create and work for, and the world? These are big, important questions. So the facets of these pressing issues include the paradigms of knowledge, competence, and behavioral change, what it means to be a conscious and social learner, what it means to be an active agent in the world. I know I'm posing a lot of challenges for our listeners, but this is important. And what neuroscience might tell us about the capabilities of humans, that's us, versus machines to innovate with purpose and with meaning. I have loaded so many keywords into this introduction. I have two powerful people, and there's a pun in there you'll find out in a second, who are going to help us contemplate these very important questions for our time. These are really, really globally important questions. We'll ask SAP's Dara Power, there's the pun, his last name is P-O-W-E-R, and Axel Ferryrolls for their insights on our topic today, the wisdom of learning, facing an unknown future. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, so happy to be here. We love this series. We have great conversations. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP. And a shout out to Dennis McHugh and David McAtamney, I pronounced that right, for sponsoring and managing the series. And a shout out to Sarah Dolan, who started it all. Let's get going. Time to introduce my guest, Dara Power. So happy to see you. You're in a, I'm on Zoom here with you. You're in some kind of a wooded, is it a glade? Is it a forest? Where are you, Dara? Please take about two minutes. Tell everybody who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for our topic about learning and wisdom. Dara, welcome. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Um, so, Dara Power, I'm in the west of Ireland, which is why it's quite green behind me. Uh, passion for the topic, I studied philosophy and I'm in the middle of my third master's degree. So you could call me a lifelong learner. Um, and that puts the topic of wisdom in perspective. Uh, over the last maybe seven or eight years, I've 
worked in 30 different countries. Where over the course of my career, I've worked with about 15,000 different people in uh, learning and development kind of stuff. Um, and I'm really interested to see what happens next. So uh, that's, that's a little bit about me, Bonnie. Dara, I have to ask you, three masters, I was going to say you're a glutton for punishment, but a glutton for education and learning. Uh, what, what's your passion for keeping on adding formal training and knowledge to, to your resume, Dara? I'm interested. So really, it's an uncovering process or a discovery process. It's not about adding anything necessarily. It's about exploring interesting areas because uh, I, I think it's learning is a verb. It's an activity. It's an ongoing thing. And, and life changes and we change. So for me, it's not an effort. You know, it's not like a, it's not about accumulating uh, accreditations or anything like that. It's about uh, just having fun and exploring and having interesting conversations with people like yourself, Bonnie, and with my good friend, Axel, um, and many other people. So it opens the door to conversations with people who have a completely different view of the world than I do, um, which allows me to kind of, I guess, change. Wow. 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 And thank you for including me in the having interesting conversations with people. I appreciate that. Dara, that was one of the more interesting bio introductions I've had from a guest. And I am, I am a, an admirer of yours because getting another degree means there's a structure to that. There are goals, there are deadlines, there are things to deliver. There's a formal structure that requires you to basically buckle down and say, yes, I will do this in this period of time, or I will meet these degree requirements. And I admire that. I have several college degrees from back in the day, and uh, I, I did everything backwards, but I have more degrees than I probably should have. And I'm a great respecter of education, formal education. So Dara, I applaud you. Axel, you have been summoned not only by me, but by a good friend, Dara. So I'm going to put you on speaker view. And Axel, would you please do us the honor of telling us what you do and what's your passion for the topic? Axel, welcome. Hi, Bonnie. And good day, everyone. Salut, Dara. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here. As you can hear from the accent, I'm French, based in France, not far away from Germany. And I'm a curious mind. I'm just passionate about learning and teaching. Trying to present myself to you briefly, I would like to say three words, training, coaching, and technology. What about training? Well, I am currently working at SAP as a professional trainer. And as Daraf, I've been spending the last 10 years training salespeople and sales managers all around, and I'm just enjoying it. On the coaching side, that helps me get closer to my mission in life. What's my mission in life? Helping both help people thrive, operate at the highest peak of performance in order to manifest the highest dreams in their life. And to do that, I become a life coach with a special coloring on neuroscience. And maybe we can talk neuroscience today. Mm -hmm. Also, sometimes I believe that, you know, uh, getting closer to kids and coaching kids is a good way to learn for me on a continuous basis. And I decided to become a rugby coach. And as I was not a rugby player myself, I had to train myself into a rugby coach. And two times a week, I am on a rugby pitch with those kids between 10 and 12 years of age. And I must admit that they are amazing teachers and I keep on learning with them as they keep, they keep me sharp on my innovation and my way to train them every day. Believe me, it's a challenge. The last point was technology. I'm a technology and science fan. I mean, I worked only in large IT organization where technology was present. I am currently in charge also, aside to my you know, professional training aspect, but I'm also in charge of innovation. 
That means that I'm looking for the best technology to bring that to our salespeople across the globe and try to find a way to get them the right information at the right time to have the maximum impact in their job. That's the innovation side. But I would close in saying that for me, the most important is that my curiosity towards science got me to investigate uncharted territories such as neuroscience, quantum physics, epigenetics. And believe me, this transformed my perception of the world and transform my relationship to the world. And maybe we can touch on that as well. Back to you, Bonnie. Thank you very much. The two of you, you've inspired me already, the, the quest for learning. And I love what you said, Axel, about learning from kids, being a rugby coach, learning from children, their insights, their, well, we used to say innocence, their, the way they see the world, the way they approach it. And when the kids come to you, of course, they've had some training in the classroom. They have teachers. They have parents in their lives. Right now, they might have families in close quarters all trying to do a lot of things together during the pandemic. So they're coming to you not as a tabula rasa, which is the theory that we're all born with a clean slate in our brains and then we absorb, right? Nature versus nature, versus nurture, excuse me. But uh, they're coming to you with, with things that haven't really formed them as young adults yet, if they're, they're young people. So challenges and opportunities. I'm as I said, I'm very impressed with both of you. Now it's the part of the show where I've asked my guests in advance to send me a quote from a movie or a song. We get to learn a little bit more about how they see the world through entertainment. And they're going to use their powers of creativity and innovation. I love the way the Europeans say innovative, innovative. In the U.S., we say innovative. Innovative is such a more poetical sounding word. So we'll go with that. Innovative way they're going to explain what their quote has to do with our topic. And if you're just tuning in, we're already having a great conversation. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and my special guests today are Dara Power, spells his first name D-A-R-R-A-G-H, the G is silent, and Axel Ferry Rolls, and his last name is F-E-R-R-E-Y. R-O-L-L-E-S. And you can find them online, I'm sure. So let's go to the quote Dara Power has sent me. And this is a quote from, from Dune and by Frank ha- Herbert. Scheduled to be released theatrically. It's a new movie in the U.S. in IMAX in 3D. Oh, is it out already, Dara? It was scheduled for release in It was October. supposed to be, but then COVID delayed it. So I think they pushed it back to next year, yeah. There you go. Well, Dune is an upcoming epic science film, fiction, Directed by Denis Villeneuve with a screenplay by, and I won't go into all the details here, it's the first of a planned two-part adaptation of Frank Herbert's novel from 1965. Leto, the second Atreides, is a fictional character from the Dune universe and played by wonderful actor Oscar Isaac. And here is the quote, the mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. Oh, Dara, be still my heart. What a beautiful quote. What does this have to do with our topic today? Dara, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead, knock yourself out. So the way we look at life and the way we look at knowledge and the way we look at learning shapes to a large extent what we see. So if I think of life as a problem to be solved, then everywhere I look, I'm going to see problems, (laughs) which can be a nice way to do it. You know, I mean, if you like problems, it's a, it's a great kind of way to live. Or there's a kind of a, you know, an experience which is you look back and you go, wow, I did a load of stuff there and I've no idea how I did it. You know, and nobody showed me how to do it. And it's kind of like, even if somebody showed me how to do it, 
I still had to do it for myself. So it's like cycling a bike, you know. Somebody can tell you all about cycling a bike. Uh, somebody can show you a bike. Somebody can kind of put stabilizers on a bike. And you, you, you can keep looking at it and breaking it down into smaller and smaller problems. But the experience of cycling the bike is you try, you try, you know, and suddenly, snap, something just goes and you have the experience that I'm on the bike and the bike is moving. Yes. And the world we live in now has such a kind of a chaos associated with it. And there's so many kind of moving parts and so on. Einstein said that like, you know, life is like cycling a bike. To stay in balance, you have to stay moving. So us humans have a natural capacity for these experiences. We have a natural capacity to kind of, you know, make things interesting for ourselves so the lights come on. Um, so what I basically picked that quote for is that there's a mystery to it. You know, you don't know when you're going to be, when the lights are going to go on, when, when it suddenly just snaps and you can cycle the bike. And you can break the problem down into all the different parts that you want, but the experience is what really counts. And from a learning perspective or learning and development perspective, you know, a lot of the time we probably focus on the problem to be solved, but actually it's the experience that somebody has where the lights come on for them. Uh, that, uh, that That's the environment we'd want to cultivate, you know, to give people that environment where they just go, wee, <laughs> and they're off, you know? <laughs> Wonderful quote, and and the part I like the best is the word reality, because, Dara, people have been saying for the past, not exactly eight months, we've been in COVID about eight months, and the pandemic, uh, it it finally sunk in probably April or May, because March, it was just a new concept, but people have been saying, we got to get back to the new normal, and and I say there is never going to be a normal. To me, there's going to be a new reality, and I don't categorize that as normal or abnormal or new anything. It's just reality. It is what it is. And how do we deal with it? How do we experience it? What do we do with the time that we have in this reality? And how do, how do we make it work for us? Thank you. Beautiful quote, Dara. And now let's go to Axel Ferryroll's quote. Oh, this is one of our favorites. It's from the movie Field of Dreams, 1989. Sports, fantasy, drama, a lot of genres for that movie. And it was said by a ghost played by the wonderful actor Ray Liotta, whispering to, whispering to Ray Kinsella, played by the also wonderful Kevin Costner in the cornfield. And the Field of Dreams is about an Iowa corn farmer who hears a voice telling him, and here's the quote, if you build it, he will come. He interprets this as an instruction to build a baseball diamond in the cornfield. After he does, Shoeless Joe Jackson, a well-known past baseball player and other dead, I hate that word, other not longer, no longer alive baseball players emerge from the cornfields to play ball. So the quote again is, if you build it, he will come. And I think, I thought it was about Shoeless Joe Jackson, but I think it's about his own father coming back. So Axel, I researched this. I love the quote. Talk to us. How did you pick this for our show today? Fascinate me. I challenge you. Go ahead. <laughs> Listening to you right now, Bonnie, thanks for this summary. Um, you mentioned the field. And I can tell you when I hear right now, it just hits me because looking into quantum physics, you know, the quantum field is something that appears in our reality as you define it and totally change the game. But I will not get there. It just struck me for now. Um, this was for me a... Uh, an experience moment, as Dara said, it was 10 years ago when I, I have been tasked to 
create a program for frontline sales manager at SAP in Europe. And I needed to find something to motivate them to learn because believe me or not, but if salespeople are under such pressure that they can't find the time to learn or not at the right level of quality where transformation can take place. And I was looking at all our portfolio and unfortunately I couldn't find something sexy enough and relevant enough to seduce sales manager to learn. And honestly, when I was at that point, I couldn't find a solution. I started watching that movie. When I heard that sentence that gives you courage to try something new, that forces you to do something nobody has done, why would you build a, such a baseball field in your, um, in your field, right? This, this doesn't make any sense. And I said, okay, it's time to, to put courage and try to build something new because maybe then the manager will come. Build it and they will come. And at that point, I decided to create the first master in science degree, academically proven with a university for sales managers. Why? Because sales is not a profession. So I went around all the big universities, I will not name them, and they couldn't offer me anything about sales. So because it was not there, I decided to build it. It took me two years to build. It was tough. It was extremely interesting. I worked with a partner in the UK and a great university, and we designed the first Master in Science, two-year-long program for our managers. And we started with 16 of them. Of course, because I designed it, I decided to do it. So like Daraf, I went into a program when I was 40 at that time, and um, and I spent two years, you know, investigating, um, leading sales transformation and transformation, which is a topic I love. Um, and since then, I do a shadow job beyond what I told you in introduction to run that program called SAP Masters for our frontline sales managers. And I can tell you, I wouldn't have done that without this inspiration from that movie. And I can only invite people who listen to us today to reflect on that and ask themselves, is it something you want to build? Well, and if you ask whether people will come, you know, just try it, build it, and they will surely come. I love it. I love it. And and you're reminding me of how I built the concept for these radio shows, Axel. I just decided, let's get people talking, having a conversation instead of reading slides, instead of reading a script. And I'll tell you something funny happened. Uh, I've been doing Game Changers Radio. I started it in 2011. Sometime around mid-2012, I received an email from a colleague at SAP, and he said, a certain one of the the sales teams at SAP, the word got out about the shows and people were recording them or downloading them, whatever, and they were playing them in their cars on the way to sales meetings. And the reason was they didn't know how to have a conversation. They were just used to marketing speak, brochure speak, sales speak. Here are the product. Here's the benefits. Here are the key features. We all know the old features and benefits world, right? And they were saying they were using these conversations. I'm just reflecting on the the process of learning, how we learn. It can come from so many different places and so many different inputs and sources. And they said, one of the sales teams is actually using these radio shows to rethink how they speak to customers without making it into, okay, I'm here to sell you and here's the bottom line, here's a contract sign here. How do they have a conversation? And I think I I was very flattered. I was extremely flattered because I didn't understand the value of what we were doing. And here now I get to talk to the two of you about learning, which is a great topic. So let's move to the formal roundtable part of the show. We've already been learning so much from my two special guests, Dara Power and Axel 
Fairy rolls. I got it right. There we go. So let's go to statement number two, Dara sent me. I like this one a lot, Dara. I'm going to read it. I'm going to ask you to spend a couple of minutes talking about it, expand it, and then I'm going to ask Axel Fairy Rolls if he has the nerve to disagree with you. I'm thinking he might agree with you. We're going to see what happens. So here's the statement Dara sent me. Answers are a commodity. It is asking better questions that is the key. When you can look up the answer to almost anything on the internet or in real time, it's finding the right questions to ask that really helps learning go back to first principles to find your competitive advantage. Dara, this is a whole learning experience in itself, what you wrote here. So please unpack it for me, and then we'll see what Axel has to say. Go ahead, Dara. So I'd like to pick up on something you said in the introduction, Bonnie, and tell a little story. So you're talking about reality, Okay, um, and you said like it's it, there, there's not going to be a new normal. There's just reality, and reality is basically a set of predictions or a hypothesis that are in our heads. So when I was doing my uh, qualification in education and training management years ago, I was building a, a portfolio system for people to track all the work they were doing over their career uh, using programming languages. And I was trying to figure out how to put this database onto a server. So it was kind of a complicated thing. And I kept looking up the answers, but I couldn't find them. And then I walked into a room and there was six postdoctoral research fellows in Dublin City University, all in the room. And I was like, guys, how would I get this database onto this server? And every one of them turned around and typed into Google. And within seconds, they had the right answer. But they had the right answer because they had the right question. And they had the right question because the reality they were working in was a different one from mine. So their reality was they had a whole set of context around what is a useful answer in this context. So what we have with the internet is the opportunity to look up answers to almost anything. So the answers themselves are a commodity. You know, the value is in asking the right question that unlocks something, that allows you to do something, that allows you to move something. Um, So in order to kind of get to competitive advantage for companies or organizations, one of the things to consider is that what we know already doesn't really help us. And the kinds of questions that we ask based on what we know already, that mightn't help us either. Um, Another kind of an amusing sideline is like, to go back to what Axel said about rugby, my son Stephen turned around one day and he said, you know the Lord of the Rings, Dad, what was Gandalf like as a boy? And I was like, wow, Wow. that's (laughs) opened up a whole movie trilogy that I never considered. So that this is what I mean by the answers are a commodity. It's the, the, there's real value in the question. And that to me opened up a whole universe of exploration, you know? Fascinating. The, just the process of, of hearing you unravel it. That was, it was a great question your son asked. Axel Ferry Rolls, agree or disagree with Dara? I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Let's see what you have to say. Go ahead. I'm afraid I can only agree with Dara from this one. Um, For me, the question drives the path and it unlocks many opportunities in front of you. What I want to say, though, is that to be today, to be effective in what you do in a world which is VUCA, which is unexpected and within which, as we say it in 
the company, you cannot strategize, you cannot plan ahead. You need to become something of a visionary. The visionary and the innovative people are the ones who are able to reframe a question. And as Dara said, not only look for the answers, because everything you do within your brain will be to look at old patterns. The brain is a reproduction, reproduction system, and you need to go beyond that. So you need to start reframing the question or the problems in order to come with alternative thinking. But you need also to keep in mind that for as much as you want it, you are boxed, you are framed within what you have learned till now. You are the results of what you have experienced till now. So if now you enter an area which is totally different, what you have learned in the past will not help you. Just new questions might open new pathways. And that's where, again, quantum physics helps you see that. Quantum physics gets you into a mindset where you start thinking in terms of probability. There is probability that Gandalf, when he was young, was someone playing Lego, or he was playing with uh, some toys and telling stories. Probably was telling stories because he's a magician and not an engineer, where the Lego would be more of an engineer kind. But there are multiple probabilities coexisting. By asking questions, by not locking yourself towards an answer, you start opening the art of possible, you start investigating your realm of reality. And that's why I usually say that learning is an exploration. Learning requires courage and learning drives transformation because you have no clue what you're gonna find. So yes, the answer, I mean, the question is key, especially to innovate and today we need that. Thank you. And what you said, Axel, reminds me of the quote from the movie um, Forrest Gump. Mm. My mama always said, Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's like what you were saying on learning. You never know what it's going to open up, right? What opportunity, what door. In- interesting. I-, I reflect sometimes on the bosses, the managers I've had over the years. And there was one one woman who used to come in and I'd leave work. I had a long commute, 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. And she'd come in. Anything I was writing, I was a marketing person for the, it was a banking company. And she would take a red pen and red line almost everything I'd written on whatever was left on my desk for, for me to work on the next day. And I resented it until I realized she was teaching me a new way of looking at my own writing. And sometimes she would say, flip a sentence backwards, take the second part of the sentence, make it the first and flip it around. And it will be tighter, more interesting, more concise, and a whole different way of approaching how you write about something. And I took it as a learning, it it took me a while, but I took it as a learning experience. And somehow she made me a better writer, but all I thought was, damn, I'm gonna come into work and there's gonna be red marks all over my stuff. And I realized, she had a different way of looking at the text I was writing for, for the annual report, for brochures, whatever it was. And it, it really worked. So thank you for that. Dara, anything you want to say back to Axel? Because I have already teed up a new statement to read from Axel for our next conversation thread. But Dara, anything you want to add, please? Let's hear Axel's next statement, Bonnie, I think. Okay, here we go. Axel told me the following. In a highly technological and fast-changing world, learning is not enough. Everybody listen up. This is important. We need to learn, unlearn, and relearn. I'm going to stop right there because I want these keywords to sit in the minds of our listeners. Axel, learning, unlearning, relearning. Talk to me. Unfortunately, it's not from me. It's from Mr. Alvin Toffler, who is one of your American um, futurists, famous for his book in 1972 called Future Shock. Mm -hmm. When I read this person... Um, And when he wrote, the illiterate of the 21st century is not the one 
who cannot count, cannot read, or cannot write, is the one who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. This changed again my perspective on things. When you think that by 2025, the research shows that human capital of knowledge, sum of body of knowledge, will be reproduced at the pace of 18 months, that every 18 months, everything that the humanity has produced will be replicated. Just think, if you're a student studying medicine and you enter into a five to eight year study, how much relevant mm -hmm. what you have learned at the beginning of your study will remain at the end of the studies. Yep. So that means that during the course of your learning, you might ask yourself, what am I learning? Is it still current? Or with the new AI technology, this is now not relevant anymore. So how can you start agreeing to learn and then to stop learning and unlearning so that you make space into your brain so that you can relearn? And I guess when I look at what's happening in some of our school system and education system and even in companies, we are trying to fed things into the mind of people saying that's the truth. Now, the notion of truth dissolve at the VUCA world with the speed of technology, the replication of knowledge, we need to create a mental habit not to be stuck into our old pattern. As you mentioned, you're writing in one way, it gets in your subconscious mind and then you're locked. You need to unlock that potential. But by unlocking, I mean you need to understand first what your brain is capable of. You need to start unlearning, right? Being agreed to let go of your knowledge, which we might talk about that in the future, and then relearn. And I'm afraid at the moment we don't have much spaces enabling you to do that. We are asking you to learn and learn and learn, but unlearning is important. Thank you. And you mentioned VUCA, and I didn't know what that was, and I did a little homework. Dara, before I get you in for comments, VUCA is an acronym first used in 1987, drawing on the leadership theories of Warren Bennis and Bert Nannis to describe or reflect, and here are the letters, volatility is the V, uncertainty is the U, complexity is the C, and A, ambiguity of general conditions and situations. The U.S. Army War College introduced the concept of VUCA, V-U-C-A, to describe the more volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous multilateral world perceived as resulting from the end of the Cold War. And the term VUCA has been used more and more since 2002, and it's used in emerging ideas and strategic leadership to apply to organizations. Axel, did I do my homework or did I do my homework? Fantastic. Thank you. You inspired me to learn. There you go. Dara, rescue me here. What do you think about this Alvin Toffler-related concept of learning, unlearning, relearning? Where do you stand on this, agree or disagree? So I, I agree, but I think the concept's also broader. So you can look at it as an individual. I have to learn, I have to unlearn, and I have to relearn. But it also points to knowledge and what, what is knowledge and who gets to say what's knowledge. So if you take the industrial age, we had a competence and behavioral kind of view of things. So, you know, Bonnie's the best lawyer in Carolina and uh, Axel's also a lawyer. So because they're lawyers, they get to decide whether somebody else is a good lawyer or not, you know. So we, we're, we become like, a, we have this standards of competence and so on. And now when artificial intelligence and machine learning can pick up on the patterns that humans have and, and, and actively learn and replicate them, the ability to learn patterns and to replicate it, which was a, a kind of a differentiating factor for the professional classes, is now becoming commoditized. So the, the, in some ways, to learn 
uh, a standard is it, it, you're better off to go back to the the buzz that you had for the show to adaptability. If you're learning to adapt and you can adapt much better, um, then you can adapt much better than machine learning can, for example. So is that the view of knowledge then becomes, you know, if knowledge is not a fixed pattern anymore, that our organizations need to manage fixed patterns and set standards, maybe yes, in certain areas, you know, you have to define a certain standard for like brain surgery. You know, you don't want your brain surgeon to kind of be like, uh, ah, well, you know, like it's the standards are the standards. And, you know, like there's uh -huh. a, ref a refinement of the standards, but there's a kind of, there, there's a, a debate that comes with this learning, unlearning and relearning is what is knowledge? What's the value of knowledge? And who gets to decide whether one piece of knowledge is more value than another, you know, like, uh, and, and, and whether that's down to, people or whatever it is. So there's a whole competitive kind of view. Um, it's an activity. It's a very dynamic activity. And we've tended to think of it in very static terms over the years where, you know, you make a curriculum, you make a, a series of kind of competent standards and behaviors that go through that and proficiency levels and all that kind of thing. Uh, and, and by the time those curriculums are produced, very often now they're out of date. Um, and very often the type of work that they were helping people to do was repetitive and it can be done by artificial intelligence and machine learning as well. So it, it also means for organizations, we have to look at how do we set up, organize, how do we set up and organize learning and development embedded in the way we do things so that people let go of the stuff they already know in order to take on new stuff and, and learn the new stuff. And then maybe to relearn stuff from older times, to go back to first principles and go, well, if we were starting from scratch now, what would be the, mm -hmm. the, the fundamental stuff here that we need to go to? So it is, is to look at the, you know, the, the, the way we standardize knowledge uh, and the way we, we set standards. Very, very interesting. Um, Axel, anything you want to say back to Dara about his comments? Very pragmatically, what Dara is saying is one of the issues we have in our organizations. As professional trainers, keeping the content current and relevant for our mm -hmm. salespeople and for everyone is a real issue. And what I like with that is that you see organic way of getting content with crowdsourced mm -hmm. content where people, like in YouTube, start creating content and sharing it with people and they are self-assessing the quality of it and discarding the one which are not remaining. It's as if we are moving from a control system to an organic system. And this, and this is due to the fact that it's going so fast. And the only way for us to survive is not to believe we can control that, but to go with the flow and leverage the collective intelligence. So that's just the next level of evolution in terms of learning. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm, I'm thinking, gentlemen, of KPIs. And often you set them in January and you see what happens, the goals you are striving to reach so your manager will give you a pat on the back or, a, or an atta girl or an atta boy or whatever the addas are these days in 2020, 2021, whatever the PC versions of addas are. And, and as the year goes on, they might not apply anymore. And I remember striving for years, the KPI was, I will increase the listenership to Game Changers Radio by 5% this year. And 
sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. It was really out of my control. So many people controlled the messaging and the promotions and the social media outreach to their fan bases or their colleagues or, or their part of the world. And then one day we, I looked and we increased it by something like 300% in six months. And I said, wow, and I was only looking for 5%. We went for, I was thrilled to have something like 20,000 listeners. And then we were up to a million and a half listeners. And I said, what just happened? I wanted to go back and redo all my KPIs. Just interesting, the concept, the two of you, of the, the static nature of learning. And you're right, you develop a curriculum and you think that's what it is. Look at the curricula that were established for learning in colleges, universities for 2020. And look what happened in February, March, 2020. Where are the students? Where are the teachers? Does it apply? The whole concept of learning, relearning, unlearning. We've had to relearn everything about our social interactions, our family life, our jobs, the technology we use to communicate and just to do what we think we're supposed to do and whether our companies are here or not, what they need us to do to help them pivot, be nimble, be uh, be available to rethink their business models, all kinds of new, what we thought we knew. And going back to the basic principles, Axel, Axel my favorite French Quote is plus ça change, plus à la même chose. The more things <laughs> plus change, change plus c'est la même chose. Merci. The more yeah. things change, the more they stay the same. Go back to the basics. Absolutely. I'm going to move on a little bit here. And I do want to squeeze in a co- some comments about neuroscience and, and about who is better able to learning. I know that machines don't have empathy, and that's always touted as the big difference between us and machine learning and the bots that we live with. Yes, if I say Alexa's name too loud, she'll tell me something I may not want to know, or maybe I will from the other room. So I'm going to move on to Dara Power's next statement. Dara, I'm looking at statement number three. I think Axel tiptoed into this one a little bit just now, but let, let me, let's just get this out there because I like the way you say it. You say, learning is a team sport to unleash collective intelligence. Our brains are prediction machines based on patterns we observe and we are often wrong. Let me stop there and let you explain it a little bit, and then we'll get Axel's comments, and then we'll a little bit about what neuroscience is saying before we close out. So, Dara, you're up. What do you think? Sure. So, if you look at the way, you know, with the way you use Microsoft Outlook or whatever, right? So, you schedule a meeting and it defaults to uh, 30 minutes, right? So, there's a the, the technology kind of shapes your schedule. So, you could have a 15-minute meeting or a 20-minute meeting. In the same way, there's been an assumption that sits behind learning in organizations a lot of the time, which is that learning is an individual sport, is that there's an individual learning journey that, you know, Bonnie has a unique access to a system that allows Bonnie to control her own destiny. And, you know, there's certain things about products or about processes or whatever that you need to know. Um, But actually, very often, Bonnie, it would also, as a learner, be off talking to other people and maybe somebody goes, Hey, did you watch this Ted talk? Or did you, you know, did you talk to our colleague in Japan because they have a very different view on things than you do. So the reason that the collective intelligence and unleashing collective potential is very important is that these informal ways of learning are what stretches from a narrow view of things to a wider view or from a shallow view to a deeper view. So the analogy that I use sometimes is like a learning a lot of the time is all frying pan and no stewing pot in the sense that we produce more and more information. It looks really glossy. We give, we serve it to one person on a pan, you know, 
but that's not really what they want. <laughs> There's no, like the flavor is there, but it kind of disappears and you're hungry again. There, whereas the stewing pot is a much deeper view on things and uh, there's different kind of uh, a different depth to the flavor. So working with other people can give you a uh, different depth to the flavor. And the neuroscience thing is basically that, you know, our brains predict what's going to happen next based on previous patterns of experience. That's what all the neuroscience says. Now, in order to interrupt that pattern and to see something new, we have to, Axel has a great expression, to change something, you have to change something. <laughs> so, you know, which is so simple, but it's often overlooked. And, and one of the ways to change our individual learning journeys is to be willing and humble enough to be open to be changed by other people's views, which brings us to the stewing pot and the deeper flavors. Um, Edward Hess has written a lot on this kind of topic about humility, like there's a humility that goes with it. So the, the, I guess for me, this was really about as organizations, we shouldn't assume that the individual is the learner and we shouldn't assume that the frying pan or the, 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 the curriculum we give them is, is the predominant thing. Uh, we need to create space for the, the stewing pot, for people to kind of go deep on topics uh, and, and, and talk to each other and tease it out because that will help to change how aware they are and, 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 and open up new options. Um, and that's kind of like it, it's starting to happen. You know, there's a recognition of it, but the command and control structure and the report back on the KPIs and, you know, that kind of thing is like if, if, if Bonnie, Axel and, and, and Dara have a really deep conversation and the KPI is like, you know, you're going to learn how to make a phone call on Zoom uh, with, the, with basic microphones. Then you're going to miss out on the, the depth of the conversation and on the connection that's there and on the kind of the tribal knowledge. So I guess that's the, that, that, that was the, the, the general theme of it. Thank you very much. And I want you to know that somewhere, Dara, in, in the recesses of my mind, I know that Edward Hess was born in 1947. I know that his focus is on organizational and human high performance. How did I know that? I, I believe you, Bonnie, <laughs> used your power of questioning to find the commodity of the answer <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> it's because I, I, have, I have two 27-inch screens here, and without disrupting the show, I can go Google something. And I had three choices on how to spell his last name. Was it H-E with one S, two S's, or with an E on the end? I tried all three while you were talking, and I came up with H-E-S-S, and there's somebody who had already died named Hess with the E on the end. This one is H-E-S-S and the H-E-S didn't work at all. So you have to know how to ask the right question, right? And the question was, which of these last names is the right one? Thank you for humoring me. (laughs) Axel, (laughs) help me out here. What do you have to say? (laughs) This is way way too much fun. Uh, Axel, what do you have to say about all of the wisdom that Mr. Power has shared with us? This man is a man of wisdom for sure. Um, Let me disagree to agree. I disagree in a sense that when I was younger, and still now, I spent lots of time in my books reading, and I was learning. Believe me, I was learning. And I was alone in my room. I needed 
nobody, right? I was accessing new information, new realm. And when I was 17, I read The Brief History of Time from Stephen Hawkins. And I believe, believe me, the transformation, when you understand that space, you know, you can reach eternity, uh, the, the vicinity of a black hole, change your life. At least it changed mine. And I was alone. I did, didn't need anyone. But when you continue thinking about this, the question you need to ask yourself is, is it learning, which is a team sport, or is it reaching for the truth? Because the question mm. we need to ask ourselves as learners is, do we believe that we own the truth? Or is the truth something which is beyond ourselves? And that's why I would totally agree with Daref. The truth is something which is much bigger than we are. When I look at a book, I read it, and the guy says, it's all white. And then I, book, I buy another book, and another person, totally sound with great argument, will say, it's all black. You say, but how can it be that those two people, both extremely clever people, say it's white mm -hmm. and it's black? The fact is, the truth is much beyond ourselves. The fact that you go inside of yourself like a Buddha to find it. The fact that you read a book and reflect on it and read the second book and try to come to a conclusion, or the fact that you go into an open discussion like today, or you go in a community on, on the social network, the only question you need to keep in mind is, are you going for the truth? Are you humble enough to realize that you don't own the truth? Mm -hmm. And if you want to go to an order magnitude, a higher magnitude of knowledge, mm -hmm. then open your mind, open, don't judge, just listen up and realize that there is something beyond what you know which is much bigger, much more sexy, maybe, and even more interesting that you can unlock and, and find out. So that's the quest that we all, all are, I guess, into at the moment. Fascinating. You know, there's an old phrase, get out of your own way, right, mm -hmm. Axel? Get out of your own way. Another one is don't shoot yourself in the foot. I'm thinking of all the <laughs> cute little proverbials that, that are saying, stop taking yourself so damn seriously. You, you don't know everything. And even people you don't like, People you don't relate to, people you can't stand, like my former boss, you can learn something from them. They can teach you something against your better judgment to even listen to them sometimes, is find those, those gems, those nuggets of what do they know that you don't know that might help you just that little tiny bit. Um, Dara, anything you want to comment back to Axel before we move on? We've got time for, I think, one more topic, and I've already picked it out. Dara, what do you think? So the only thing I'd add is that... Uh, you know, I read a quote from Annie Marquier, who's a French philosopher, and she said that our current strongest beliefs are our current deepest illusions. And this is a kind of the unlearn and relearn type of thing. Um, but the reason for collective intelligence is if you're, if you're working with a book, then the book was written by somebody else. So you're, you are kind of opening up to positions that you wouldn't have otherwise opened up to. If you then talk to somebody about it, you're getting into the stewing pot and the deeper flavor. And uh, in, in COVID times now, you know, there's a craving for the depth because everybody's job on some level is answering emails, making PowerPoints, updating some systems and going on Zoom. So where's the depth? You know, where's the kind of uh, like, and, and, and the current illusion is, produce more information, you know, uh, the, 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 like if we, if we keep producing information, keep producing podcasts, just get it out there, people will find it. <laughs> and it might be, but it's the, I think there's a kind of a, a chewing that needs to go through some of the information in, in, in a live discussion. And that's where people really get the flavor for it, you know? So that, that's, the, I guess, the, to, to overcome 
the current beliefs and, and see new ones. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I think I was telling you both and the prep call or some of my other panelists today earlier this morning, we have shows I did with teams at SAP on the topic of HR, which we call HCM, human capital management, uh, talent, all kinds of ways. We used to call it just human resources, hiring, employees, employee relations, employee experience. Haven't done those shows in a couple of years. Last year, the three series I did from something like 2015, 17, 18, had 10,000 listens around the world. Build it and he will come. People are looking for information, for content. Dara and Axel, they're looking to learn by listening to conversations. I, I was amazed and flattered and actually very excited that old shows were still still sparking uh, interest around the world. So let's almost wrap up this conversation. We got just a couple minutes left, but I want to squeak in one more learning experience here with Axel Ferry Rolls. I'm looking at your statement number four. Let's just wrap with this and then I'm going to get a prediction from each of you. We've got, um, got about five minutes left. So Axel told me the following. He says, the current challenges for professional trainers is to cope with the 70-20-10 formula. And I've never heard this before, Axel. We learn 70% by on-the-job experience. Okay, everybody just file that away in your brain. 70% in your job. 20% informally, probably on social media, networks, communities, and 10% on traditional formal training. You just blew up the whole idea of colleges and formal training, I think, Axel. So, Axel, why don't you take about two minutes and we'll get a quick response from Dara, and then we'll go to our predictions round. As they say in French, and you know what this means, Axel. Vite, vite. Go ahead, Axel. I'm going to go quick. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, it's close to my heart because it comes back to our position as a coach. We all need to coach others. And when you think, as you said, Bonnie, that we are not learning by formal education. That's a dream. It's not how we work, right? Just look at what you do on your day-to-day activities. You will see that by doing it, you learn, right? And uh, Benjamin Franklin said said that very eloquently when he said, you know, tell me and I forget, uh, teach me and I remember, and, you know, this type of stuff. It is that, get me, sorry, get me involved and and I learn. So the thing is, we need to think that people learn by doing. The problem is we need to give them a feedback loop. We need to tell them how they did. To do that, we need to be with them. We need to see them in action. And we need to be able to feedback to them. So I would invite everyone to reflect about the culture of feedback. You know, are we able to give a positive feedback without judgment in an open way? Number two, are we able to coach by asking questions, not on telling them what to do, because as we discussed previously, we don't own the truth, right? Everyone has his own reference system. Just ask the question, what else could have been done at that moment in time? They, do they think it was okay? You know, was it aligned with their objectives? Let's be and enter a coaching mindset. I guess the current world do not need people with judgment. We need people with understanding, with openness, and with a coaching attitude. And by understanding the 70-20-10, by understanding we learn by doing, then we need to go into that positive feedback loop and coaching attitude that will help people grow. And that's what I wish and I hope every one of us can do moving forward. Thank you. Was that your prediction, Axel? Do you want to use that for your crystal ball prediction, your hopes and wishes, or you still have another prediction in you? Oh, I have at least two predictions. Okay. One serious and one very serious. Dara, I'm going to give you, Dara Power, I'm going to give you a minute and a half for your predictions, and they can include your comments on the 70-20-10 rule. We're really tight on the clock right now. Dara Power, up to you. Prediction, go. So my prediction is uh, that... Learning will become progressively more human and progressively more machine. And the thing that people 
really want to know from their manager in the 702010 because the manager takes on a critical role is mm-hmm. do you care enough about me to give me meaningful work to do to give me meaningful stuff to develop my skills on and to actually ask me what it com- brings me to work above and beyond the money so there's a kind of a, a level of care question and then the technology piece will be whatever answer you want to find, you'll be able to find a podcast or a video or whatever it is. Do you care enough to have a conversation with me in order to kind of uh, help me formulate my own opinion? So I think the human side is the care side. The content side will be technological and the care thing can't be overlooked. Dara, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody put it in those terms. Does your manager care about you enough? And the challenge today is with COVID and businesses coming and going, can we stay afloat? Can we pay our employees? Do we have a way forward? Can we change our business model? Are we agile? Are we nimble? Can we pivot? Can we change what we're doing? Will we survive the next three months, six months, the next year? They're worried about so many things about the business, but do you care enough about your employees who are the key to getting the business alive to keeping it alive that's complex i wouldn't want to be a manager right now i don't want to take up time from axel axel 90 seconds that's all we've got actually 60 seconds what's your prediction you got two go so the most important france will win the rugby world cup in 2023 <laughs> okay Daraf, ireland will not Let's be clear. So that was the first prediction. It's a fact. The second one, a bit more seriously, is I believe that organizations, companies, will be the new training center for individuals. The knowledge will come from the industry, from the organization, from the enterprise towards people, outside of universities, outside of school, and we will be able to be educated by professionals. And I really see that now going on, and everyone reflects on that. We do as well. I really believe and hope that we will be able to bring what we know based on our expertise towards people outside so that the learning becomes even more grounded within experience and professional knowledge. And uh, that's what I believe will come in the next yeah, five to seven years. Thank you. And your timing is perfect. I cannot tell the two of you, but I'm going to try how much I've enjoyed the conversation. I feel like I'm sitting with good friends. I didn't say old friends, new friends, good friends. You're both very impressive in the scope of your reading, your knowledge, the number of people and books you quoted. I was looking up things while you were talking and I appreciate all of the references, the culture references, and I know that our audience will as well. We have a couple of shout outs. Let's put our hands together for Sarah Dolan, who started the series. Thank you, Sarah. For David McAtamney, I can say it right now. And for Dennis McHugh, I can say that right too. And for Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinary, calls himself my sidekick, and he worked hard for that title at Voice America, the business channel. Yay, Aaron, thank you very much. And here's my call to action at the end. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon for another episode of Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering presented by SAP. And here's my final call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. I hope you're doing just as well. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dara Power at SAP and just like Axel Ferry Rolls at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and please stay sane. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.